Hey guys, welcome to the Yield Deep Dive. We are in week three of our Sabbath School lesson, Atypical. Uh, and uh, we've been focusing on different nuances on the family. And today in particular, we're gonna focus on how not so typical families have tough conversations. Now, I don't know if you've ever had an experience like that, but I know tough conversations are tough. <laughs> I'm not trying to be redundant, right. but I don't know if, if Pastor Nate, who's here from the Causeville Community Church, hey. or Pastor Jeff, who's here from the McDonald Road Church, if you guys have experienced a tough conversation at some point in time, uh, but then particularly with your family, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, it, it's hard. I, I think confrontation can be difficult anytime uh, because I know for me, it's hard to gauge like how much and how little you don't want to bring up stuff that's too small, but you also want to, you know, help people when you can. But yeah, uh, never is it more difficult when it's family because I mean, you care about your family so much, or at least that's for many of us, we care about people so much. So it's just the issue of not wanting to burn relational bridges and things like that. And yet wanting to communicate what's on your heart, it can be sticky. It really it can, can be really tough. And, and as we'll find out kind of from the story, sometimes it, you think, and this is me, sometimes I'll try to walk away uh, from the conversation and thinking it's easier. And it's really harder when you have to come back later and have that conversation. Uh, I think for me, I need to focus on, you know, trying to have those conversations in the moment. Sometimes it doesn't work. It doesn't feel like it's going to work, but it, you need to have them. Uh, and we'll be talking a little bit more about that, this, this study. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a story that is going to be <laughs> a very interesting one, talking about having tough conversations. It, it, it comes out of Genesis chapter 27. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to summarize it because it's a, <laughs> it's a long story. Uh, but we encourage you to read it. it it's, it's very interesting what takes place. You can start as far back as Genesis 25 and work your way to 27 to give yourself some context. But uh, here's uh, Rebecca, who is about to give birth to twins. All right. And we're told that these twins uh, were fighting. Like, like, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a woman, so I don't know what it feels like to have a baby kicking inside of you, right? I, uh, I have daughters and my wife uh, would allow me to go ahead and touch her belly and I could feel the nut, you know, the, the, the my girls uh, touching the belly, right? And stuff like that. But it was interpreted like these two were fighting inside of, of her belly, right? And then to the point that when they were, uh, Rebecca was ready to give birth and they take one of them out, the other one comes out hanging on to the ankle of the other. I, I don't know if you've ever witnessed something like this, but this is just telling you just where this uh, atypical relationship began. It was already in the womb with that madness, right? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the story goes that the oldest uh, was called Esau and the youngest was Jacob. And, you know, you, you, you've heard this story before. Uh, and I don't know, Nate, how about tell us a little bit more about what happens in this story so that way they can well, hear sure. the summary from someone else too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's an unfortunate story because there's like generational issues being passed down from generation to generation. It's going to be passed down to the next generation as well. Um, and one of the things that's an issue that starts right here is favoritism amongst the parents. And yeah. um, that is such a painful thing in reality. I've, I've spoken to um, people who are young adults who kind of grown up feeling like um, there was a favorite in their family. And it's, it, mm -hmm. it, that's hard to deal with. And so in this story, this biblical story of uh, Esau and Jacob, um, 
Esau's father liked Esau the most. He was kind of a manly man, hairy hunter type of a person. And um, Jacob, though, was loved by his mother. He was kind of, doesn't necessarily say that he was a soft guy, but he was just, he, he wasn't quite like Esau, at least. He was a pretty boy. Come on. Yeah, you want, <laughs> it makes you wonder. It really does. Um, and so the mom loves the mom loves Jacob. The dad loves Esau. There's favoritism going on here, which is just a recipe for disaster. Like I said, unfortunately, this is going to continue on through the next generation as well. Um, so there's, there's resentment. I mean, how in the world could you possibly not have resentment with your sibling if you grew up in that kind of like um, toxic environment where dad's liking one kid more, mom's liking the other kid more? It's intense and it climaxes or it begins to build towards a climax uh, with one story. Uh, involving a birthright. Pastor Jeff, I wonder if you want to share that one. I was just saying, I wonder how many times it wasn't discussed. Like, I wonder how many times that they all saw it, either the kids saw it or the parents saw it and just said, no, not going to discuss it. But yeah, this whole, this whole birthright thing. And if you, if you looked at this story before or kind of reading through it, it's, it's kind of surprising at first, but the, uh, the birthright was going to go to Esau, right? That's who was going to get the blessing and the extra portion and all the, all of those things that came with it. And Jacob, wasn't going to have any of it. <laughs> he, he believed that, and this is another thing we're not really getting into. Uh, there's, there's some things that God has said to this family in the past. And, and Jacob thought he had the right to the birthright and he was going to get it his way. And that's so that's a whole other point. We get into this sometimes on some, some, some tied side tangents, how we may know the will of God for us, but we need to let him play it out. Sometimes we try to let it, our own will come out. And this is where Jacob tricks his brother or tricks his father. Uh, and he, he puts on the, the fake skin and he, put, he puts on fake hair and tries to act like his dad to get the blessing. And also he gets his birthright, right? Right. And he changed him trades for the pot of stew uh, after he's hunting for a while. So he, he gets the birth right now. He's got the blessing, um, tricked his dad. And, and when his dad figures it out, it's, he's, he's scared. And, and Esau, uh, again, they, there's a time to have that conversation before this, but Jacob runs for as far as he can run and tries to run, get away from the situation, uh, tries to put it behind him. That's right. Uh, and, so, oh, you know, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that he, he tries to, but like, as, as Nate already said, the issues keep coming back with even his kids, as we see later. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Right. Yeah, so let me reiterate what, what Pastor Jeff just shared. And the idea is Esau comes from hunting, is extremely hungry. Jacob takes advantage, says, hey, I'll give you food because Esau was hungry. He was like, but you got to give me your birthright. That was the cost. And then it was like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, when you're hungry, you kind of make these weird decisions. So anyhow, Esau gave it up. Jacob was like, yes. Then when the time came to receive the blessing, Jacob tricks his dad. So not only did he trick Esau, then he went and he tricked his dad. And mom helped Jacob. I mean, like, come on, mom, what's the deal? Yeah. So She actually encouraged him to deceive. That's right. Yeah. So then, like Jeff said, and after he deceives dad, he receives the blessing. Esau gets upset. Mom finds out, says, Jacob, get out of here. And, um, and then this is where they, they find themselves, right? And so here's, here's, here's the neat thing. I don't know if, if there's some favoritism happening in your household, right? I don't know if you feel like there's a parent that loves you more, a parent you love more than the other. Um, but the encouragement for this lesson that we want to share with you is take the time to have the tough conversation. 
it's evident that it's tough to try to even address the fact that you feel this way. And maybe sometimes you've tried to share something along the way and you realize, don't nobody care what I'm saying. But the truth is only because you believe that no one cares or you think that your conversation isn't going to change your situation, it's still a good opportunity to share because you never know what's going to happen, right? I mean, isn't that what happened, Nate? Yeah, I mean, eventually, I mean, so this is, we're doing like a, a, a really quick survey over scripture. I mean, years and years go by in this story. But yeah, there's this, there's this issue between these brothers. That's, that's no small thing. It starts with uh, seeds of bitterness being planted, honestly, by their parents mm-hmm. um, that don't help the situation out. And then Jacob kind of takes advantage of the situation. Esau is um, kind of... <laughs> I don't know. He, he doesn't really care that Jacob takes advantage of it at first. So he kind of has some faults to play here. Uh, but ultimately, Jacob goes away. Um, he moves and he gets into some, some more issues. That's a whole nother story. But the very cliff noted version is Jacob is blessed with his own family. And that's good. Mm-hmm. It's a big family, mm-hmm. probably bigger than it needed to be. <laughs> it's a really big family. And uh, just read yeah. on. This guy has been running from his brother for years and years and years. He's, 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 um, yeah, God's blessed him in different ways, despite, despite all the issues going on. And, um, finally it's kind of interesting. Um, Jacob gets to the point where he feels kind of deceived and taken advantage of where he's at. So it's kind of a a plot twist. So he decides to go back to his, his home country where his father's Mm -hmm. still living, mother's Mm -hmm. still alive and brother, Esau is definitely still alive. So it's kind of, kind of this concerning thing. So Jacob takes his whole family and they start traveling back um, to, to be in his homeland. And it's like, it almost seems like an afterthought. All of a sudden the Bible focuses in on how stressed Jacob is to know that Esau is going to be meeting him. In fact, he hears, Hey, your brother Esau is on his way with some fighting men. And it's a very scary, scary situation. So Jacob, Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. He thinks he's going to die. It's not that like he's going to be mad at me and maybe punch me, maybe push me. No, he's going to kill me. That's what Jacob thinks. Like he, this is not just a upset conversation. This is a like you ruin my life conversation. Yeah. It's very and, scary, like Nate's saying. And you can follow that in Genesis 32. You keep reading on, and that's where you see all of this playing out. This is approximately, uh, what, about 14 years? Uh, after this whole initial debacle of stealing the birthright. So it's been a long, long time and they hadn't spoken since. So you can just imagine, but go ahead, Nate. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, you're good. Yeah. It's it's been a long time. He had to, (laughs) we're getting the 14 years from the fact he had to work a long time for his wives. And then in addition to that, they had had all of their children, I think at least maybe not Benjamin, I can't remember. So they've had all of these children too. So it's really probably been like a, a while. (laughs) <laughs> a while, while, while. So they're there. And the bottom line is, um, at this point, um, Jacob stops fighting. Um, or maybe I should say he, he turns his attention towards the right fight. Mm. Um, it's, it's kind of this poetic story. Uh, Jacob's met by an unnamed man at night. He wrestles with this individual. We, we later learn that it's God himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jacob's whole life has been this struggle. And there's like this turning point where he, he all of a sudden, he's a wiser man now. And um, instead, of, instead of running from his problems, um, he's strategic. He tries to minimize the, 
the hit from it, but he aims at Esau. He aims at having a conversation with Esau. Mm-hmm. And um, you just see the sense of maturity that comes up in him. Fear, for sure, of having this conversation because he knows he was wrong. He absolutely mm-hmm. was. Um, and yet, like many, many people who are in um, kind of domestic disputes hope for, it's kind of this hope that maybe both people will see that they maybe both had a role to play. Um, but the bottom line is the Bible talks mm-hmm. and it kind of builds up towards this climax where Jacob starts sending a procession of gifts to his brother Esau to try to sweeten the deal before this. Uh, he tries to call him his Lord. He goes and he bows multiple times before him. There's this like whole entourage of things that's happening. He, he chooses his own favorite kids and keeps them in the safe position in the back and sends his <laughs> not his favorite kids in the front, which again, is terrible. He's, it's terrible. He's literally writing the fate of his own kids. That's another story of Joseph and his brothers. Like, um, so he's creating... He's, he's just perpetuating these family problems. And I wanted to go, I really like what you're saying there. Like he realizes, at least it seems to be, he realizes that he was totally at fault. You know, you can imagine I have a, I had a brother and we fought all the time as kids and there's sometimes still, I'll be like, yeah, but you beat me up when I was a kid or whatever. Like, I'm sure that there was things that he, that Jacob felt Esau did wrong. I'm sure Esau did some things wrong. I'm not, you know, no one was perfect here, mm-hmm. but when we go into these tough conversations and I, I tell myself this and I tell my kids this, like you need to go in where you messed up, where you could have changed. And finally, I think Jacob is realizing here are some spots I did wrong. Maybe he finally is admitting that he messed up to, to Esau. He finally gets to hear that. And so I think so many times we go into a tough conversation and we're ready for how I can explain how you could change. Like Mm -hmm. I can clearly see how my brother could change in this situation rather than wait a minute, I did this. I need to change. So these tough conversations where where can we apologize for what can we change rather than always focused on the other person and what they did wrong that's right um, and blame he, sometimes for everybody but go ahead yeah no and here's this thought that i i wanted to share um you know nobody knew what esau was thinking and after so many years and letting this fester i mean you you got to think about it about it this way when conflict happens if we're too stubborn angry ashamed or afraid to have that tough conversation with our family it leaves that room for some ugly things to grow and, and that's what was happening. Could you imagine if, if instead of fleeing, like mom said, you know, uh, he would have stayed and actually tried to have a conversation with his brother. It would have been tough because, you know, emotions were high and there was a lot of loss in that particular situation. We were told that when Esau went back to, uh, to Isaac to get the blessing and he was like, I don't have anything for you. He wept like loudly. The guy was suffering. Uh, the loss of that particular blessing. But anyhow, if, if Jacob would have stayed and tried to work through with his family, he would have saved years of agony and maybe even some of these negative experiences that he had. And this is the point that we're trying to drive you to. Your family may be atypical and may not be a normal one, but atypical families, for them to thrive and for, that, uh, uh, for them to be able to coexist, we have to have those tough conversations, guys. We have to put our stubbornness aside. We have to put our, our anger aside. We have to find ways to allow God to work through us to be a blessing and not let negative situations just fester and get worse than they actually were. Because Jacob said, like we mentioned earlier, Jacob probably thought Esau was going to kill him. But the truth was Esau was looking to reconcile with him too. And I think that's just amazing. And he, that's not what he expected. But if you when you follow the story, you're going to notice Esau was actually pretty open and positive and embraced his brother when he saw him. And he was like, yo, let's fix this. Um, so he showed, I think, even more maturity than Jacob did. 
Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. It's 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 neat to see the final ending of that of the brother's story. We don't really see them meeting up too much past that, other than when uh, their father eventually passes away. It mentions they get together again, but there's this this neat moment where they they kind of let the past be the past, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't necessarily get the, unfortunately with this story, you don't get the impression necessarily that they're going to be best friends after this, but they're both able to go on with their lives. Um, and I do know um, while the story doesn't answer that question for us, um, I know all of us can think of stories where we've perhaps witnessed ourselves um, or we know that's happened to other people where reconciliation happens. And when that reconciliation happens, then life can continue to go on. And so yeah, that happens with Jacob and Esau. He comes and he essentially says, I'm sorry, um, in so many words. And Esau in so many words says, it's okay. You're mm-hmm. forgiven. And they, they kind of move on from there. And, um, you know, it's, it's scary. I mean, seriously, uh, if you've ever had something on your heart that you need to talk to your family about, um, I mean, you can spend so much time stressing out about when to say it, how to say it right, um, all of these types of things, maybe thinking about like, well, what if this happens or that happens? I mean, it, it's a serious thing. This is not easy to have these conversations with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it honestly doesn't get much easier the older that you get. You, you still care about people. And yeah. um, it, it, this is hard, but um, I know I can speak from personal experience. Um, I'd say some of the hardest conversations I've had are with the people I love the most. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really hard because you you just are pleading with God. I know I am beforehand that my heart is hurt in this, that, it, that it's, that it's not like you're trying to attack someone or, or, or what have you. And sometimes it is just asking for apology and you admit you did everything wrong, mm-hmm. but these can be such difficult conversations to have. And yet time and time again, um, every single time I'd say it's, it's been worth it. Um, mm-hmm. when I'm able to have these conversations, it doesn't mean everything works out perfectly, but I can't think of a single time. I'm not happy that I, that the conversation has happened. And, yeah, uh, when we go into it with respect for the other person and love, it is true. And it's the hardest, they, you're right. The hardest conversations are with the people you love, but I would challenge a teenager to practice it now and, mm-hmm. and continue to practice those tough conversations. Cause it, it can get harder and it's only going to get harder, especially if you don't practice Like it, the only way to make it in it. They're still hard. It's not like, those conversations are super easy for me now because I've practiced them before. No, they're still hard and they're still frustrating. But I think in some regards, if I practice them, they become easier to at least start them to, to go down that path because you know what the outcome is because you know this can be better. Um, like you said, I think Kersey was saying earlier, if, if Jacob and Esau had those conversations as a kid, maybe this story would be totally different. What are we reading? Yeah. a different story and so we have the opportunity to make our story part of part of god's story or, or he's making his story with, with us and, and we can go about these conversations and and achieve a better outcome than what we would if we stop stop talking right so the hardest part is is actually starting <laughs> the conversation right and then we uh see how it goes from there so here's a tip um we uh read this book i say we as in uh, pastor nate and i and I know Pastor Jeff is working on the book, uh, where we get tips on how to have these fierce conversations, right? So here's a a recommendation that might help from that book. Um, You can write your talking points down and, um, you know, keep it to about a minute is the recommendation because people get tired of listening, right? And they want to say something, but you ask them to just hang on for a moment 
as you jot down, uh, not, not you jot down, you jot it down prior to the conversation, but then you, you share, you say, hey, listen to what I'm about to share, please. And once I'm done, you can go ahead and we can have a conversation about it. And go ahead and, and, and share your talking points, those concerns and those things that you wanna share with your family. And then go ahead and enter a conversation. And again, like, like, like uh, Professor Jeff said earlier, the point is focus on you, what I feel. Don't, don't take an opportunity there to have people listen to a minute of you accusing them of their wrongdoings, right? right? Just come from the perspective of what you feel, what you're challenged with, and then see how together you guys can come to a compromise and agreement on how you're gonna solve the issue. Um, you will be amazed at how effective that process is and how much better your relationship is gonna be with that loved one mm -hmm. after you have it. And that's why we're encouraging you to do this. That reminds me of what, what the text we're gonna be using here is James 1.19. Mm -hmm. Know this, uh, my beloved brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And if we just, if I had, I wish I had that posted like every, everywhere <laughs> I looked, like every, every conversation I had, like, hey, I've, you've heard the phrase before, you have two ears and one mouth, like that's, that's how much you should be using that, right. like double the amount to listen. <laughs> and I love the quote too, we should listen to understand, not listen to respond. And I'm, as a sanguine, I'm so guilty of this. I can listen and be like, oh, I got the story for you. I got the next response or whatever, but I need to listen to understand. And really slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And, and, I've, and you guys can probably agree with this. If, if you've experienced this, the times I was quick to anger, to be angry are the times I can look back and say, those are some of my biggest mistakes in ministry. Mm -hmm. Like a couple of times I remember being running summer camp, I was tired, not even not to excuse it, but just, I got angry and then I look back at those and I'm like, oh man, those are the worst. So mm -hmm. when you're quick to angry, to be angry, you're gonna make a mistake. <laughs> you're gonna regret um, and, and wish you could change. So slow to, uh, slow to speak, quick to hear, and slow to anger. Yeah, I think that's huge. And it's, um, I, I think um, it can be really helpful, you know, to just like Pastor Curcio was saying, to, to prepare prepare for it, um, prepare what you're going to say. I, I, I can tell you, I've had some of these conversations, some difficult conversations where I did not prepare ahead of time. And I just kind of like slipped into the conversation on accident almost. Oh my goodness, I do not recommend that at all. Like, uh, it's so helpful um, to know what you're going to say, to be able to say it in a good way. And God's still blessed. But, um, but also, I think the timing of it, um, to just go and say like, hey, um, you know, this happened or this didn't happen or, or whatever needs to be addressed and say, I, I, we've got to talk about this. When is some time that we can do that? And I think it's really important mm -hmm. to let the individual um, have some say as to when that conversation happens. Because if you're trying to have like a heart-to-heart -heart conversation, while your parent is like trying to get dinner on the table or get out to work or I mean yeah. the timing is important so mm -hmm, it's fair mm -hmm. to just say like hey I really want to talk to you about this when's the time that you can give me some some attention to, to hear what, what what I'm saying and that's kind of awkward to not deal with it right away a lot of times people they'll be so um, stressed by hearing something like that they will stop what they're doing but but um, give them some permission uh, to to choose a better time so they can so they can listen. I mean, set them up for mm -hmm. success as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also fair for you to realize, um, hey, we're all human. And so mm -hmm. for me, the hardest part in having these conversations is when I first of all let like the thing come out of my mouth uh, that that I would maybe perceive as being difficult or hurting the other person or whatever. That's like the hardest part. But then you can just almost always expect people to bristle back. I mean, that's going to be 
very common for a lot of people, even if they love you very, very much, they might get defensive or kind of aggressive, like um, dismissing what you have to say, or um, maybe f throwing blame somewhere else, perhaps even at yourself. And so like, mm -hmm. I think it's fair to just expect the conversation to not go perfectly, mm -hmm. but, but then, you know, expect someone to kind of bristle, but then just kind of keep composed. Don't take the bait and instead keep focused on what you want to say and say, ah, yeah, I, I hear you. Um, I want to make sure that you're hearing what I'm saying though. And then just kind of repeat yourself. Mm -hmm. And you can do that actually a few times. And each time you do that, it kind of chips away at the bristling for a healthy individual at least. And um, it actually allows you to get to a point uh, where that happens. So I just want to encourage you guys, if you have one of these conversations and someone kind of bucks at it um, initially, it doesn't mean that the conversation isn't going to work. That's just, Hey, it's part of being a fallen human. A lot of us mm -hmm. do that. So, so don't give up. I mean, keep, right. keep going, be kind and, and kind of courageous and keep, keep moving forward with that conversation. And, and God can do amazing things. Um, we know that because that's what he's asked us to do. I'll, I'll share one more text with us. It's from Matthew uh, chapter 18. And it, it's just some advice that Jesus gave. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. It says, moreover, if your brother, or we would add sister, mother, father, whoever sins against you, go and tell them their fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. And so, you know, the concept is uh, share, share with somebody. Don't, don't make this broad, broad um, platform of what someone else is doing wrong. You don't need to put it on social media or what have you. Uh, of course, I, I know I speak for all of us in saying, if there's something where there's abuse going on or something like that, that's, that's serious. Like you've got to get help in right away. Don't, don't try to confront your abuser by yourself. Like uh, there's limitations to that. And we could explain that from a biblical perspective sometime, but mm -hmm. I know all of us kind of want to make sure that you hear that. If there's something uh, that's a dangerous situation or something like that, don't confront the person that's being dangerous towards you. Um, get, get help with that immediately. Um, Verse 16 says, but if they will not hear, take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if they refuse to hear them, tell it to the church. But if they refuse even to hear the church, let them be to you like a heathen or a tax collector. Um, it, it continues on. It says, surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Um, and then it, it finishes with this, with this beautiful promise. It says, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with you. So that is such an encouraging promise to realize that as you go forward to have these difficult conversations, this is one of the texts that Christ promises his presence to be there with you because that's our God. I mean, that's, that's who God is. He's trying to um, bring healing into this world. And so, um, yeah, there's, there's just a lot of wisdom when you can deal with something, if it's a healthy enough situation to deal with it on yourself uh, without broadening it, that's fine. Uh, if it's someone outside of your family, I do think it's always healthy to get a trusted uh, parents or family members perspective on things that can be really wise. Um, but the main thing isn't to gossip about it and it's not to badmouth somebody. Um, if someone's still not listening to you, it can be helpful to bring, to bring another person into the conversation and say, look, mm -hmm. it's not me being biased, biased. Here's another person here and they're, they're seeing it the same way. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe they're going to help me see it a little bit different. That's right. So guys, the reason why we're encouraging you to have these tough conversations is because not so typical families have these tough conversations, but more so because it's what Jesus asked us to do. Mm -hmm. That, the, uh, what Nate, Pastor Nate just read from Matthew 18, those are red letters. All right. This is Jesus telling us, Hey, this is what I want you to do. 
I want you to be peacemakers. I want you to reconcile. And it's not even always so much for the other person as much as it is for us. And we want you to be happy. God wants you to be happy. And this is why we invite you to have those tough conversations. And if you need help, ask. You know, I know that all three of us are, are more than willing to help. Uh, we know you have family members that you trust, close friends, a mentor, somebody, teacher that is willing to help you out. Don't be afraid uh, to reach out to them and try to have these tough conversations because in the end, you're going to be better for it. So um, let's have a word of prayer as we uh, wrap up our deep dive today. Our Lord, again, we just want to say thank you because when we want to do these difficult things, you are there with us. You're not going to ask us to face this crazy challenge alone. And that's just a testament to how amazing you are. So give us the courage, the strength, the patience, and most importantly, the love to have these tough conversations and wait and see what you have in store. Because in the end, you ask us to be peacemakers and to reconcile with our families and friends. So we love you, Lord. Can't wait to see what you have in store. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. See you. Thanks for joining us. Take care.